Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. going to have some fun today breaking down the week's hottest pro wrestling news headlines plus we have special guest rob van dam joining us today i'm christy olsen we got producer jimbo frank on the couch and we are here with the one and only the man the legend mr sean x Pac waltman hey sean christy jimbo what up mark in the booth it's great to be here had to rush over here from Maria's earlier doing the serious show. Yeah, you're there? like a podcast extraordinaire now. All right. Right? Well, that's a, that's serious radio, serious <laughs> XM 209. And you're serious S-E-R-I-O-U-S about yes. this. Oh, snap. We had Bruce. We interviewed Bruce Campbell today from Ash. Oh, man. Ash I would have loved to ask him about Briscoe County Jr., it was just, that? well, there's only an hour to do the show. Oh, uh, yeah. So, so it was like all Evil Dead stuff. Probably. A lot of it. <laughs> a lot of it was. But there was some, some other cool stuff we talked about as well. But anyways. Yeah. Didn't mean to branch off so quick well, into the weeds Well, that's all right. I know you're, you're excited about that. <laughs> and you've that's talked cool. to Anne Heche recently on yeah, the Anne show, Hache too, right? Yeah, the other day, yeah. Wow. See, you're doing it big mm, yeah. time. And her, her audience gets, you know, I get exposed to... Uh, to her audience, which is a little bit demo- different demographic than right. ours, so, uh, maybe maybe slightly. Yeah, so yeah. that's nice. They get just to, a tad. They get to know that I'm not just a complete heathen. <laughs> I actually have a brain. Should we should head. we second that here for you? Yeah, we'll you're back that up. You better say that. <laughs> you're one of the best guys I've ever met. Thank for you. sure. Well, although I'm wondering uh, if there was any heathen behavior that went down this last weekend at Ozfest. Oh yeah, oh, always man. right. Yeah. Yeah. We won't get into the details, but well, well a few details. Because you get to go backstage at these big shows, right? You know yeah. all these guys, you know, like um, Slipknot, Disturbed, yeah. who was all there? I know you love Amon Amarif. I don't. I just met those guys. How and are they? A lot of our people aren't even probably don't even know who they are, but uh, they're a Viking metal band, yeah. and you were really feeling them, right? Yeah, they were great. They were great, and I'm not just a metalhead. I like hip hop, and you know. Everything old, you, you know, just like music, right? Damn right, good music is good music, and there was a lot of good music this weekend. Well, yeah, great. who else did you run into there? Um, you know, all the the, the Slipknot guys, the, and they're big wrestling fans, mm-hmm. Corey obviously. Taylor. Yeah, um, Slayer, 
the guys from Slayer. Uh, got to see Zach Wild, who I haven't seen since oh. from Black Label Society, and he was Ozzy's guitar player for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't seen him since we did WSX on MTV. Oh wow! He was yeah, the he first was episode. The, yeah, he was like the band would play, and then they'd go sit and yeah. do commentary for and, the show. And Zach, and so the band would play, and then like the front man would do color commentary. Yeah, with Brett and Chris Kloss. Chris right? Kloss, yeah. yes. Oh, my buddy Chris Kloss. Yeah. So where was Chris? Was, was really good. It was out in San Bernardino and some at the uh, NOS Event Center. I guess, but the, it was just an outdoor it was like, a like amphitheater. There was fifty thousand people a day there. Wow! Gosh. It was a dust bowl, days? though. Like. Oh, like yeah, two days. days. Oh, it two was days. not Fest Meets Ozfest. Oh, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's intense, man. Yeah, Disturbed. Uh, Dave Drabane from Disturbed. I, I don't know. Oh, I saw the, the picture, picture on your Twitter. Did you see the video of the... Uh, yeah, you, you know, his his cover of uh, Sound of Silence, the, 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 oh, yeah. Simon and Garfunkel, mm-hmm. uh, is one of the best covers of any any song I've ever heard I done. I think we have that video, Mark. Can we roll that? That's like the that's a shot from stage left there, looking out to the crowd of fifty thousand people. That's amazing. Does it ever kind of? Do you ever get over the fact that you're standing backstage watching this happen? I, from behind the band I instead of out there with the rest of the band. Trust fans? me, I don't take it for granted no. at all. But, you know, at the same time, I like to go sit in the crowd and watch the show. Yeah. And enjoy it. And not see, like, all the backstage drama that's going on with production and different things that I'm not going to get into on there. But, you I'm know, just going to say, well, that's what we want to hear about, Sean. The, the stuff that people don't, uh, you know, the stuff that people don't see, and mm-hmm. they just see a great show. Yeah. You know? Well, so. well, but I do want to ask you what was going on backstage. You because you were hanging out with some of the guys, right? Yeah. Are they are they you. chilling? Is it are they stressed out? Is there like some drinking it's and a, partying going on? Uh, there's a, a little of both. I mean, and I'm not the drinker, so right. Uh, but um, you know what the thing is though is it's such it's a big it's turned into such big business and and. Uh, and so it is a little bit more stressful than than just like an average concert situation. Well, yeah, because you have so many giant bands yes. who are used to being the headliners of all yeah. their own shows. So and, now you have to deal with like and oh, their guest guy, lists and, like and their production yeah. people and all the clashes that that'll go on between all the different you know yeah, band definitely. crews and the big egos. I and, wanted Pepsi. Zero, right? You know, like this is diet Pepsi. You know, like this is not what I want. I always think about those people whose job it is to like satisfy the rider and go out and find all that stuff and make sure that it's backstage. I mean, I saw. I mean, it was. It was to the point where, like, I mean, everybody was so on edge, and the security was. trying to keep the stage on lockdown so much. Kelly oh. Osborne got yelled at by one of the security guys. I don't know <laughs> if he last I don't know if he even lasted the rest of the night. Wow. After that. Actually, you know what? She was pretty cool about it. Like cuz I heard her come, you know, going off about it in mm-hmm. the in the production office and uh, and you know, she didn't ask for the guy's head or anything like that on a platter. She was just like, you know, pissed off and I don't blame her. Situations like that are so crazy cuz like he's just trying to do his job. 
but like yeah. you should know. Here's the thing, though. Who, who is like, the, and, and you got to always treat people with like respect. Of like, you never know. Like next week, they could be your boss. Mm-hmm. You That's know? right. And they're not breathing any special air that makes them any better or less than you. So you just got to treat people like people, man. And that's what happens sometimes with some security, uh, you know, outfits. There, you have to deal with with the public, even if you're trying to be stern with them. You have to do it with class. Mm-hmm. You know, like a WWE security. No matter what, they are, they stay classy the whole time. They're like Ron mm-hmm. Burgundy out there. Exactly. Well, yeah. Can you imagine if they were like bouncing fans out of there, or no. pushing people around? I mean, that would not go over very well. So, yeah. So. Imagine like security at like a hardcore like punk rock show at a WWE event when like people <laughs> get up and get too crazy, or like imagine a fan jumping the rail with like security like that. Yeah. They wouldn't leave the building. Oh <laughs> like, uh, man, but it would make for some good viral videos. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> oh man. Well, we actually have, talking about what you've been up to lately, we have a fan question. Now, we've been asking our fans to submit questions via Twitter, Instagram, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash xpoc12360show, and you can post them on social media using hashtag xpoc12360. So let's take a second and get to one of those. Jeremy wanted to know from you, Sean, if you were to compete in WWE again, who would you want to face? Ooh. And you, you know what? And you ran this by me earlier, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I started thinking about it. <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh Jesus, how how do you even answer that?" There's, uh, I know who I'd want you to face. I, I but see, I want to, and I worked with Randy Orton all, already, but he was mm-hmm. a lot. You know, he was brand new to wrestling. He was still really green. I'd love to work with Randy Orton at this stage in his career. And I know some people are going, oh, I'm expecting you to say Finn Balor or Kevin Owen or, you know, one of those guys. And mm-hmm. yeah, and obviously that would be great. But I mean, if you ask me to be honest. Well, there's so much talk about former WWE stars and legends coming back and taking on the role of sort of putting over the new guys. Yes. Would that be something that you'd be okay with? Of course. Yeah? I didn't have it. Contrary to popular belief, I didn't have a problem putting guys over my whole career. You know, I mean, there might have been the occasional thing where it just, it just wasn't right, and so I stuck mm-hmm. to my guns on it. But as a general rule, like, you know, um, when you need to put somebody over, it's usually for a good reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a team player. Uh, and I think it's great. You got guys like Jericho coming back and, you know, um that's what we need to do. We, it's it's the law of the jungle. You know, the young guys need to put us out of our misery because we're not just going to go away on our own. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, on that note, I would like to remind all of our fans that if they want to see you every single week and make sure they never miss an episode of X-Pac 12360, you have got to check us out on iTunes. Make sure you rate, comment, and subscribe. We'd love five stars. Let us know what you think about the show. And if you use a podcast app and you can't find us on it, please help us submit to that app. It is super easy. They can just copy our RSS feed, which is available in the description box, and then contact the app support email. That's easy to find as well. Tweet me. I'll help you if you need it. And thanks in advance. We want to make sure that we are available to all of you all the time. And rate, comment, and subscribe to us on iTunes. I would have said Nakamura. <clears throat> I was thinking that just now. Sure. I was actually thinking that just now as, as you were going through all that, which oh, you man. did a fantastic yeah. job of, well, by no, the way. The, the point of it is really to just give you guys a moment to think. Really. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I would have been like <laughs> Nakamura for sure. But I'm also thinking about how I would feel after that oh, match. Oh, man. And you, I think yeah. I would feel a little bit better after a Randy Orton match. <laughs> <laughs>
So there you go with that one. Uh, uh, well, speaking of the current guys on the roster, let's head into this week's X-Pac 12360 News of the Week. And now it's time for X-Pac 360's News of the Week. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. We are starting off with a story that I feel personally invested in, and I think you will as well, Sean. The Academy School of Professional Wrestling is set to open in the Twin Cities of Minnesota on November 1st, 2016. That's right. Minnesota is finally going to once again become a mecca of professional wrestling. We all know some of the biggest guys ever have come out of that territory. Jesse the Body Ventura, the Road Warriors, some guy named Sean X-Pac Walkman. Brock Lesnar. Yeah, I feel like I've heard of Brock Lesnar. Christy Olsen came out of Minnesota. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, She sure did. She's a shining star. That's right. That's right. Well, this is being put on by former WWE and TNA superstars and champions. Ken Anderson, you guys might know him as Mr. Kennedy, and Sean DeVere, the Sheik Abdul Bashir. They are really trying to make Minnesota the scene once again, and they have also brought to the Academy former WWE women's champion, Molly Holly. Oh, wow. wow. They didn't tell Tell me that part. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been wondering what she's been up to, too. Uh, you guys may remember her from WWE, WCW, and she did a stint oh, wow. in uh, New Japan as well. She That's did the, a table for hey, three recently. Ken, yes. Ken, and, Ken and Sean, and you guys are great and fan, will be fantastic teachers. But like the best part of this, like for me, is having Molly Holly. Oh, man. Yeah, she's great. She was, I mean, they're all three great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love <laughs> I'm just a huge fan of hers. One of my favorite like female wrestlers ever. Oh, yeah, why is that, Sean? Oh, she's from Malenko Wrestling. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, she's well, well, from the same. Well, we'll have to see if we can get her yeah, on the show. That would be great. Me. Eric Cannon is going to be there as well teaching. He's from Ring of Honor and PGW. And this is the exciting news for anybody out there who's listening to this right now going, I want to become one of these famous Minnesota wrestlers. They're running right now a first-class special. $3,000 tuition is down to only $1,000 available through October 31st. Check it out at theacademyprowrestling.com. Is that like a year tuition for as a long as, as So Ken and yes. Sean, oh, wow, I'll really give good. you my endorsement as long as you promise not to say to all of your upcoming students that they can be the next Sean Walton. <laughs> I was going to ask. You got <laughs> to tell Chrissy that story That's what Eddie Sharkey, bless his heart. That's what he would tell everybody. Austin Aries, Sean Devari. That's why Sean, Sean Devari is named Sean Devari. Really? Yes. Because he was going to be the next Sean Waltman. Yeah, his real name is Dara Davari. <laughs> Dara, yeah. And he's still using it, still working well for him. It yeah. is. Wow, I love that. Well, you know what? I hope that you and I can take a visit to the uh, the Academy School of Professional oh, Wrestling. I'll, be, I'll definitely soon. be stopping by. My children live there still. Right. Christy and my children both have the same area code. Isn't that fun? Yeah, on their phone. I know Vera Cannon has a promotion in Minnesota that usually runs at First Avenue that Prince owns. Well, Prince didn't own it, but that's where uh, Purple Rain was filmed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a different spot. I wrestled Jerry Lynn there. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was great. Oh, man. If you didn't see it, it was like the best match ever. If you did see it, it was just pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's Googling their fingers off right now trying to find video footage. Well, there is another match that everybody is talking about today. That would be Seth Rollins at Clash of Champions. Headline here, big backstage update on the severity of Seth Rollins' injured 
rib. Now, this happened in the match on Sunday at Clash of Champions in the main event uh, when Owens hit a gut buster off the top rope onto Rollins midway through the match. Seth did finish out the rest of the match. Of course he did. He's Seth Rollins. But apparently when he got backstage, he had some difficulty breathing. And reportedly, he's fortunate that he did not crack or break a rib. This is really just some slight tissue damage. Oh, it'll be fine. He will be fine. He actually appeared yeah. on Raw last night. He didn't participate in anything physical. He's not medically cleared, but he definitely really? came out and acted like he was going to. Here's the thing. <laughs> Undertaker had cracked ribs, and I know this is a different time, and, and mm-hmm. we don't do this anymore, thankfully, but um, he he made it through. Uh, I want to say he, I mean, well, he, he never took any time off when he had his cracked ribs. He just wore a flak jacket. Mm-hmm. He had the cracked ribs, and I've told this story before. He had the cracked ribs and a crushed orbital socket at the same time. So he had a flak jacket on under his Undertaker suit, and he had the Phantom of the Opera mask that he was wearing for, for a little bit to cover up and protect his uh, his face. Yeah. Because we needed him. Did I not like, tell yeah, a similar story? Yeah, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. 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 yeah, sorry. No, don't be sorry. My old, my that's my Scott Hall. Um, repeat the same story over and over again. <laughs> was that when I'm he was wrestling there. like King Mabel? Yeah, when he had all that. Yes. Okay. Wow. Well, as far as Seth is concerned, this is going to be kind of a week-to-week thing. Hell in a Cell doesn't happen until October 30th, so he's probably fine. And the original plan for Hell in a Cell main event was to feature Finn Balor, Owens, and Jericho. So Rollins was essentially uh, replacing Finn, and now he is dealing with these injuries as well. Of course, the big payoff here is to finally lead up to a match between Seth Rollins and Triple H, so he'll be fine for that. They're looking for that at WrestleMania, and he did get a standing ovation from the crowd, and they were chanting his name as he left the arena for Clash of Champions. Today he tweeted that he will be in L.A. for Raw next week. So Seth Rollins is not going anywhere. No, he's not. And moving on to a little update from last week. We talked about TNA and what's going on there. This offers another dimension to that story. According to Dave Meltzer, WWE is kind of kicking around the idea of signing Matt Hardy once his TNA contract expires in spring of 2017. That relates to WWE because it sounds like TNA is really scrambling to get the finances together for their pay-per-view this coming Sunday and are really, really trying to secure a deal, as we talked about last week. Billy Corgan is trying to buy in. And what Matt has to do with this is that WWE has really peeped his popularity over there at TNA. They want to capitalize on it. Matt's been at TNA since 2014, but he's making more waves as a singles performer than ever before. Now, it's unlikely that Matt would have as much creative license in WWE as he does in TNA. And unlikely. he reportedly... <laughs> well, he reportedly <laughs> is... Uh, he's loaded with ideas for his character. So that may, be, that may be a point of contention for him, but he would need some TV time to get him over. And... Um, um, yeah. I don't mean to jump in and interrupt you there, but they think, um, they as in WWE, thinks everybody's going to need maybe a lot of TV time there before Mm -hmm. they're over. And they thought that with AJ Styles, they didn't think he was going to get the reaction at the Royal Rumble that he got. Yeah. And they had like certain plans for him ahead of time that changed completely, I think, after, you know, he got such a, a... Mm-hmm. Huge reaction at the Rumble, so we'll see. I mean, I, l- listen. The, Matt Hardy started his career in the WWE. Uh, his, his no matter what he's done lately, um, you know, the majority of it was in WWE, mm-hmm. uh, and now he's reinvented himself and doing just an amazing job. Yeah. 
amazing. I I mean, it's it's so effing out there. I mean, like the, that final it's pure deletion thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it really it's is great. pure entertainment. It's just phenomenal. It's like, and what's going to happen? What is he going to think of next? Like, and, the, really? and the kangaroo. The kangaroo. Are you the, kidding me? The Vanguard one, like the drone that has his face pop out, and like, oh, it's just so crazy. So, you know, here's the thing: if they want, if if Matt's doing just fine without mm-hmm. being there, and uh, and they want him bad enough, uh, you know, maybe he'll say, "Yeah, I'm, I'll come in," but you know, I got to have. Some say so over at least reasonable creative control. Mm-hmm. Reasonable. That was what Bret Hart had in his contract. Because <laughs> you're not getting like WCW creative control putting your contract with WWE. It's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. But well, a little a little speculation from the reporters too on this sorry, story. Reasonable about... creative input. Oh. Control is not written in there anyway. That, that's, <laughs> that's the fancy McMahon way of putting yeah, it, huh? That's that I like that. Well, remember, you guys, the Dudley Boys left WWE after being back for just one year with the company. So people are looking at that deal and going, maybe the Hardy Boys together could do something like that, have one last run at the WWE for a year. We were talking about this a little bit before we went on the air, and the big... The big speculation is that everyone's saying, well, WWE would just buy TNA, keep the tape library, and shut it down. That's, that's, that's kind of the general consensus. You didn't seem to agree with that. I don't think so, because they have the network, and there are some people out there that um, that are fond of TNA. Mm-hmm. And there are some people out there that were fond of TNA, and maybe want to be fond again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I just don't think that... I think they'll utilize the brand, and... You know, maybe re- rehabilitate the brand. Ooh. Yeah, I would like that. I imagine TNA at full sale instead of at Universal Studios. When you just said yeah. that, it made me excited. I was like, "Ooh!" Like how different it would be, and mm-hmm. how much WWE's look could change TNA. And I think, with like Matt Hardy getting over and time and TV time to get over, as soon as their music hits, fans are going to lose their shit. Oh sure. yeah, like that's like an iconic music. Like, people are going to know. And to see Matt Hardy... How's it go again? You know. No, no, I don't. (laughs) But, like, seeing them come out and hear their music, fans are going to lose it. Like, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. It wouldn't even have to be like, oh, they're here for a year. It could be like, oh, they're going to do shows up until the pay-per-view and then they're gone. But Mm -hmm. fans are going to be tuned in and want to see them. For sure. Yeah. They will. Well, we will keep you all posted on that. And now moving on to two guys with long-storied careers, but who have never actually been in TNA. The Miz and Dolph Ziggler, last night on SmackDown, ended up challenging one another to a title versus career match at SmackDown's No Mercy pay-per-view. So essentially, Dolph Ziggler is putting his career on the line. He's saying if he loses this match, it will be his final time in the ring with WWE. And this was a great segment last night on SmackDown. Dolph's parents were there. Miz's parents were there. The moms kind of got involved, you know, pointing and shouting. And it really, Dolph Ziggler had tears in his eyes when he was kind of making this pact to give up his career for this title. And um, this goes along with, that's that's the story. Those are the facts, people. The rumors here are that Dolph Ziggler's contract is up at the end of October and that he actually is considering leaving. There are reports that he possibly is looking at going to Ring of Honor or, you know, working the indie scene. He also has a great desire to pursue a comedic career as a stand-up comedian a and fan. movie star. Yeah. Yeah, so 
so what do you think about all this? It's sure I to me I take it as maybe it's all up in the air right now and they don't know what's going to happen, but they've laid out this match just in case he goes. Uh, well, what what do I think about which part? All of it. Give us give us the the scoop, Sean. Um, give us well, the insight. Well, it's not really the scoop, but um because I haven't heard any of these rumors about no? uh, about Dolph leaving. Mm. I do. I will say this: it, just the same as I said with Cody Rhodes, if if that's what whatever path you need to take to make you happy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I maybe. And here's the thing too: he, when you're thinking about leaving, and okay, your contract is up. Sometimes you have an automatic. Uh, rollover on your contract, mm-hmm. and if you don't give ninety day notice um, that you're thinking about, you know, leaving, like your contact, your contract will just roll over. Oh. So maybe he gave his notice. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Like this, this is all speculation. It is absolutely all speculation, and speculation that I hope is not true. I do like Dolph Ziggler, and I think that. While he doesn't maybe always get booked the way that his fans would like him to, he still has been doing some great stuff the last couple months yes. with these title shots that he's been getting and with Ambrose and now with The Miz and and what The Miz is doing with the Intercontinental title too, just making it important. Dolph Ziggler and The Miz are the Intercontinental title to me. So either way, I think this is going to be good, but I hope it's not the last time we see him. Me too. I have a question. <clears throat> so like when your contract is up, and it's done, do you still have, like, that 90-day clause of you can't wrestle anywhere else? Or, like, when your contract is done, it's done. The next day and they you have, can go show up on wherever you want. Mm, when it's done, it's done. Okay. You know, I mean, when you are st- when you stop getting paid, like, I mean, there's really, even if you have a no-compete clause, like, I mean, it really doesn't hold up if you're not getting paid anymore. Yeah, because I know when, like, Sammy left, they are like, we'll pay you, but you can't wrestle anywhere for, like, 90 days. And he's right. like, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, well, we'll just terminate you, and sure. you can do your thing. And he was like, cool. And the next night, he was on another wrestling show. And I was wondering, um, with this whole thing with, uh, oh, man, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Continue. Maybe it'll come back to me. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, the <laughs> Miz, the title. Dolph Ziggler doing this thing, like, like I think it'll, like, with the brand split, that's where I was going. With the brand split, if if now's the time to push Ziggler, it's now. You yes. know, like, he has a show he could, like, move up the ranks. So, I don't know, if I was him, I might, like, buy my time a little bit longer. Or if he's really, like, straw that broke the camel's back, I'd be like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave. And then do what Cody Rhodes is doing and just, like, be killing it on the indies and get everyone talking and everyone tweeting and everyone wanting to know about you so that, like, WWF or WWE is like, man, we shouldn't have let him go. As soon as we can get him back, we want him back. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I will definitely keep you all posted on that. This has been your Xbox One Two Three Sixty News for the Week. I'm Christy Olson, your managing editor and chief correspondent of AfterBuzz TV's Pro Wrestling News Division. We will be right back with Rob Van Dam. But first, a word from Conversations with Maria Menounos, which we were just talking about. You can check Sean out on Conversations with Maria. Hey guys, Maria Menounos here. We want to let you know about my new show on SiriusXM Stars Channel 109. It's called Conversations with Maria, and it's live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go to conversationswithmaria.com for more info. Buzz you later. 
Welcome back. Joining us now, this guy was just a laid-back martial artist from Battle Creek, Michigan, who went on to score 21 titles, including a record-setting 700-day reign as the ECW World Television Champion. And he is the only man ever to announce that he would cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase and then go on to actually win the title. Please welcome to X-Pac 12360, Rob Van Dam. Yeah. Yay. Hey, Rob. All right. Thank you. I thought we, I thought, you guys make me feel so welcome. You are very welcome. I feel so man. welcome. I'm going to make myself at home. Guys, uh, get out of here. <laughs> Grab me a beer. What's on TV? <laughs> How you doing, man? Uh, excellent, hey. excellent, dude. This is uh, this is your show. Yeah, it is, and it's it's uh, fun. This is what the fifth episode now. Yes, yeah. we're rolling. Obviously, we um, had a little issue with uh, getting started on time because I'm I'm still uh, new at this. No worries. <laughs> so, no worries. No one even knows that. Well, they, they do, do. now. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen you since uh, since you know the the China Memorial. Uh, what's been going on since then? Um, the giant memorial. The China Memorial, not oh, the, I'm not sorry, vagina. Yeah, yeah okay. Because I was picturing <laughs> seeing you up in Philly in the Tommy shows in oh, April, yeah, but yeah, this was uh, this was uh, since then, huh? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, everything's good. Um, everything's good. Thanks for having me on your show. Congrats. Uh, I enjoy sharing insight and speaking uh, when it's non-scripted, straight from the heart. So. Uh, I uh, always look forward, and people are usually surprised at how candid I am and how genuine I am. But if you know me, that's one of my outstanding qualities and one that uh, that I respect myself. So I, that's why what people know me as is being genuine, the yeah. realest dude in wrestling history. You are. Someone said, although they used the N-word instead of dude, but they made it sound <laughs> cool, but I don't want to repeat that. But, you know, the realest trigger in wrestling history. Yeah. That's... That's what it said. It was a tweet. It, it hit me in the heart. Anyway, yeah, dude, so uh, I saw you there. Um, uh, I haven't seen you a lot, and I don't see you a lot. You know, a couple times a year, we run into each other here and there. But you said something in a text about, like, the last couple of times you saw me, you were concerned or worried. What did that mean? Oh, come on. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, if you want to talk about uh, it, man. Well, just, it anyway, just, I'm doing much here's better. The thing. So, like, I, I went through a, uh, I went through a trying uh, beginning of the yes. year. Had some shit happen, and um, uh, we can swear on here, right? Yeah, you oh, can yeah. say whatever you want, Rob. Okay, cool. Yeah, because um, it just flows off the end of my tongue. Uh, but anyway, um, but you know, some stuff that I didn't expect. I'm learning about life, and that's really. That's really what what I'm doing and focusing, and that's one of my priorities is just growing, uh, you know, learning how to grow uh, as a better person, uh, as a spirit, and that's yeah. something that I've really been into since I left WWE back in 2007 because I got... I got so burnt out on the monotonous schedule and just the monotony of the job, the agenda of the yes. job. And uh, I got so burnt out, I couldn't even relate to the fans. I would say, 
I look at the building uh, in the arena before the show. I'd be looking through the curtains. I'd say, "What the fuck are the eight thousand people doing here? You know, <laughs> wait, watching yeah. the same idiots in the four, same four sided ring. You know, when when they could be at home watching it anyway. You know, and it's like, I, what man? Why do they love it so much? And I got to where I needed to walk away, but I was sober now. I've never recovered from that, so I can't. You know, at this point in my life, um, there's no way I'm going to go back to that kind of a full time nonstop schedule yeah. and uh, I did feel like it was killing me and it's not it's not for everybody but I mean uh, you know it was there was a law I was I got burned out probably 2001 2002 for sure and then stayed on that schedule for like another five years so when I got out I kind of felt like so you came you in know, the, you came in the door and WWE burned out because I mean uh, it was 2002 I remember you coming in or, I came in in 2001, oh, and, uh, and okay, you were there, ended, yeah. and I mean, looking back at it, I was so, I mean, I, I was, you know, even though I've been wrestling a long time, looking back at it from where I'm at now, I look at myself as, as almost being green, because um, I had already, you know, like I said, wrestled in Japan and ECW, WCW, all that, but people don't realize that nobody puts you on that grind like they do, but also no one put, puts you out there into the universe like they do either. Right. It makes you a household commodity or part of the culture of a country you never even thought you'd ever go to or never even heard of. And it's like WWE is a machine. And um, anyway, when I look at it, uh, you know, when I first came in, I, I kind of look at it. I think back like I was a, like I was a kid. And that's how I feel. But but coming out of it, uh, finally, I kind of felt like, you know, hey, I survived the war. Didn't know if I was going to. And so uh, I still don't plan on going in full time. I mean, I go, I, I have a deal now with them, uh, just like Jericho, where I can do short-term deals. Um, I did a three-month deal, and I uh, still did 66 matches in like 90 days. But, Ouch. Uh, and, and then the traveling, right. So then the next time I went back, uh, spread it out a little more. I was doing mostly just TVs, and that was like uh, over five months. But it yeah. was like eighty matches, or and the, and the thing is, like the thing is, anyway, Rob, a lot of the people. Yeah, I don't want to go. But I mean, I, me and Jericho have like the same deal, but I don't have the the ambition that he does. He likes being there a lot more. I, mean, I really like not being on the road and, and yeah. a lot of celebrities are afraid like uh, of being out of sight, out of mind. I'm the complete opposite. I've always been trying to do as little as possible <laughs> and I'm getting better at it all the time. <laughs> well, it was rumored that they were talking to a lot of former WWE stars to come back with this brand split that happened a few months ago. Did they reach out to you at all? Mm-mm. No, I haven't heard from them since... Um, it's almost been a year, actually. It was last October um, when uh, we talked, and it really wasn't a good time for me to uh, uh, to to go out on the road. I had like personal stuff uh, that I was going through, but there's always uh, in a, a dollar amount that makes it worthwhile. You know what I mean? So, um, but the amount that would have made it worth it for me to go out. Uh, and, and work uh, wouldn't have been worth it for them and what they were thinking, and um, and so that just didn't work out, which was was good because I really wasn't wanting to uh, to do it then. And and anyway, um, also I might have scared them away with uh, <laughs> with the numbers that it would have taken to make it worth my while. But uh, um, so no, I really haven't even talked to them. I I was at WrestleMania, said hi to uh, a bunch of uh, people, but uh, they seem to. Uh, um, and then 
for the most part, you know, it's a pretty open relationship. <laughs> so we can see other people. Oh, that's great. Hey, but Rob, here's the thing, you know, going back to the text that you got from me. Um, well, we saw each other at WrestleMania and I could tell you were just like, you know, I hate to use that cliche. Did that you see me this year at WrestleMania? Yeah, at the well, not the was it? The, yeah, thirty-two in Dallas. Yes, and and so um, I was just you. You weren't the same. You weren't the same, Rob, that I was used to seeing. And uh, right. and then I saw you at the House of Hardcore, and and again you weren't. And and I knew, and I didn't want to pry, Rob. Uh, I figured if you wanted to talk about like what was going on with it, you would. Uh, but I could tell, you know, that that something was wrong. But, you know, I wasn't like so concerned as I was because I knew you'd pull out of it. You're really super strong cat. Uh, I knew you'd pull out of it. I just hate seeing people that I really like going through shit, Rob. And it really bothered yeah. me because I knew, man, I could tell there was some serious pain going on there. So that's where I was, man. I knew I wasn't so much worried as I just was like really empathizing and, and you know, feeling for you. So. Yeah, well, yeah, man, it's uh, it, that will change somebody's uh, vibrational output for sure, and people are gonna pick up on it. Yeah. But uh, so people should know that I'm like, and I'm really, I, I'm I'm in a really good, positive um, place now, you know. And um, that's what everybody says. Uh, everybody that sees you right now says that you're really in a good cool. spot and happy, and that makes cool, me cool. happy, man. Me happy. I, well, good. I, and I mean, I've always looked at life um, a, as a balance. You know what I mean? There's the yin and the yang, and I have a lot of positive, a lot of love, uh, a lot of good in my life. And I feel like once in a while, I got to pay the piper and go through some shit. Yes, exactly. I'm glad that you look at things like that because that's how I look at them too, Rob. And it, and it, and it helps us so we're, we're not sitting there, you know, feeling sorry for ourselves. Why me? Why me? Pour me. Pour me another drink. You know. I mean, it's just. So I mean, it's. And that's if you know Rob, that's his. That's just the way he looks at shit. Yeah. Know? Yeah, that's so. the way it is though that's the way it is you know what i mean and it's like i'm very thankful and grateful for uh for the life that i have and when you know when uh when there's a real dark cloud over i'm just like oh you know i know the time will pass and uh and eventually it'll be bright again but you gotta you gotta recover as soon as you can or else it'll pile up on you and you're when you're not ready for a second or third blow boom you know that yeah. can your life can kick you while you're down, but then, but then you know it, it balances out. A lot of people they they don't they just focus on the negative, and they're going to see a lot more of that, and they're not really going to even see all of the the good that they have in their life because they don't focus on it, they take it for granted. Uh, but really, every thought that you have, if you're thinking about bad shit, that is going to make you feel bad, and you are going to vibrate in a in in a uh, in a negative kind of way. It's gonna it's gonna it's going to put it out there and it's going to bring more of that back to you and so you know most of my day every day um with some exception because sometimes i gotta do a little bit of work but uh for for quite a while has been about trying to bring my spiritual vibration to its utmost highest frequency and so that i can feel and be at my best and then be the most productive uh in every way does sitting on a couch with action bronson and sabu watching ancient aliens help you with that (laughs) (laughs) yes it did that was that was very enlightening for for action bronson (laughs) how good was that barbecue that barbecue looked so delicious on that episode. oh it was dude the food was so good 
Yeah, that was crazy. That was like the craziest thing we filmed. Like there was never like an action or a cut. Like we never like really knew like what we we're doing. We we're just hanging out. Like and they 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 must have filmed like five hours. We were there for at least three, and then they just keep all the best moments. I had it figured out after a while. Sabu never did. He was yeah. still like, are they, are they still filming? Yeah, Bronson actually, <laughs> Action Bronson actually told me that that was like actually better that that Sabu didn't get it. You know. Yeah. So, because yeah, I was talking to him because I didn't know you guys had done it, and I'm like, "Hey, I already do all that, anyways. You know, I just sit on the couch <laughs> with my dog when I'm at home, and yeah. you know, watch he ancient aliens and dad. Matt so bad, he tried so bad to milk us into. We weren't putting him over for the longest time. We're like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, they just slammed somebody," and he was like, "Come on, come on." He went. He thought that because uh, people think that must be what we do when when we're at home. You know, like yes. I must like I must wear my uh, wrestling outfit twenty four seven. Why wouldn't I? Or like in the or like in the um, the wrestler movie. You know, with Mickey Rourke when they're going through the the aisle of the supermarket, and he's just like elbows. Hit, no, no, hitting each other with with metal oh, yeah. cookie sheets and shit. We don't really do that. That was like the one yeah. thing in Russ like about that movie that I'm like, that's we don't fucking do that. Wait, Rob, I, I Rob did Van Damme. Yeah, but you know, I mean, not like once we actually know what's started up. Started getting paid to wrestle. Yeah. You're not wearing an airbrush singlet right now. When I wanted to be a wrestler. Hey, so yeah. hey, since we're already, already talking about Sabu, you know, when I first Sabu. met... Sabu. Sabu. Come on, let's hear it. Hey, but, Sabu. 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 Show your shirt, Jimbo. You, yeah. Jimbo. Jimbo here has his Sabu shirt on. I want my Sabu on. shirt. <laughs> that, but when I first met Sabu... Um, and then, and like I worked with him in Minnesota, we had this match, and like you know, it got a lot of press. Um, he had already been telling me about you, and and I'd seen stuff, you know, seen some video of you and all that. But like you guys go back just almost to the beginning of your career, right? Uh, definitely to the beginning of my career, and yeah, that's going back. I remember. Uh, because uh, Sabu was my introduction to the business, you know, like I met him in December of 89, um, my first my my first time I walked into uh, the Sheik's uh, ring and I did a tryout and then Sheik said, uh, you know, uh, come back next week and uh, bring me some money. <laughs> and uh, yes. uh, Sabu was in the ring with me then and I was... Uh, ooh, well, I, guess I was 18 years old, just about to be 19. And uh, and prior to that, like I'd had some uh, some matches that that were not professional, and I don't count you don't count those in your career. But but when I was kickboxing uh, as a teenager, I got into kickboxing because I wanted to be a wrestler, and so I found my way into this ring, and then that got me into kickboxing, and and I was doing both, uh, and we would we would do we were paying our dues back then we would. Uh, um, we must have been 16 because we were driving um, and we would because uh, we would haul the ring to a show we would set the ring up set chairs up um, we would open the kickboxing show with like a choreographed wrestling match like we hadn't been trained but we were athletic so we were doing all kinds of flips and kicks and it was a tag team match um, the other three guys aren't you know st still doing it but <laughs> anyway um, and then I would have a match like a kickboxing match and sometimes an impromptu match uh, because I was so hungry to learn and to fight and to challenge myself. And these shows were always at like either outdoor, like a uh, big party, like festival, um, like battle of the band things, or sure. they were like in bars or whatever. So there'd always be 
somebody said, let me get in the ring. And I'd be like, let me have him. Yeah. But anyway, when I was 18, yeah, I uh, met the Sheik and Sabu. And then in like 90, you know, I was training and had like my first uh, dozen matches. And, and how I, remember, did... I remember Sabu talking about the lightning kid and how cool he was. Oh, yeah. wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he because I mean, well, you know, before I, I also want to ask you about Ron Slinker. How did that whole thing uh, come up with Ron? So in '91, we were wrestling for USWA, um, which, by the way, they just stopped doing the Dallas run, um, and you guys had Global That's on right. the uh, out of Dallas on the on ESPN, and I guess. I think, oh, I guess you got it from USWA that week. Yeah. So we, my first week of USWA, um, was their last week to do the Dallas run. And, uh, and then, um, I guess that was, I don't know if they had ESPN or whatever. And then, and then GWF took over. And then that's where we first saw you on, on TV, at least myself. Uh, but anyway, Ron Slinker was there, uh, in USWA. He was just there to, to I guess see he worked one show, but he was there, I guess um, to visit his son who was Tex Slashinger. Yeah, yeah, Dennis Knight. Yeah, Midian. Yeah, so that was his son-in-law, and I think he was there uh, on behalf of him, maybe. But he but he really took a liking to me, and he pulled me aside, and he was just like, uh, "Yeah, kid, you know you're, you know, uh, I think you, you know you're going to be a, a world champion someday." He said, "I might be wrong. I wasn't wrong about Ricky Steamboat. Uh, I wasn't wrong about uh, Randy Savage, and I got the same feeling about you, you know." And I was like, "Wow!" He's blowing my head up. And um, and anyway, I he gave me his number, said he was going to be opening up a territory in uh, Florida. Where again, your name was mentioned a lot down there. You you were one of the stars that came from the area when I went <laughs> down there, and um, he gave me the name in December, no November of ninety one. He's uh, he called me Rob Von Dom, and at that time, Sabu and the Sheik said, "Just get booked. Uh, don't worry about having a name or a gimmick. You know, uh, just learn as much as you can." So I was. Uh, she called me Polish Prince one night. Al Snow called me the uh, Flying Tigers or the International Patriots, and um, sometimes I was Robbie V or Robbie Z or Rod Zat or a different play in my shoot last name, and it didn't matter to me. Rob Von Dom stuck. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I, I, I mean, our, some might argue, like, in some parts of the world, you're more famous than the John Claude Van Damme. Well, I, 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 I'm I sure know, you, but I mean, I, I doubt it. I don't see it that way at all. I, I do. I, I think he's a much bigger star that reached, you know, much higher in the uh, in the entertainment universe. That's how I see it. I mean, I'm a fan of his, and I uh, was inspired by his movies very much when I was uh, a kid. Um, and so, you know, but you know, how do you? I mean, you could probably. Just like statistics do, you could take any certain perspective. Well, who's got more action figures? You're right. Um, You know, but the (laughs) the point is, the guy guy has made, you know, millions of dollars in uh, top, you know, uh, box office sales. And, uh, you know, he's, he, he has a lifestyle. I don't know if you saw that reality show, but I mean, you know, he's, He's in. He's you know when when he gets booked for a gig, it's like a private jet that flies him to Tokyo sure. to open up a a nightclub, and he's got these hot models you know all surrounding him and wanting a piece of him, and it's like that's a little different than uh, than us doing a uh, signing at uh, 
Pop and Son flea market. Frank and Sons. <laughs> Thank you. But I'm sure. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure Whatever. <laughs> you guys are like synonymous together that like fans that like go up and talk to him probably ask about you and if you're related and like see the similarities between the two of you. Like I'm sure he gets as much of like, hey, you you know about this Rob Van Dam guy and like how do you feel about him and like why is this guy taking your name or like are you guys really related? Like like you guys do look alike and you do a lot of cool like similar stuff. Like so I'm sure he gets talked about like talked to you or talked about you from fans as much as like you might of him if that makes sense well who knows but my mom one time uh you know and i get asked a lot for that but one time someone asked my mom you know our, um does that mean that uh, you're related to John Cartoon? And she said, uh, no, oh, they're not related. That's that's not really his last name. And, and, and the lady got mad at my mom. Well, then why the hell do they look so much alike? <laughs> mad at my mom. Now, by the way, um, Jean-Claude's real last name is Varenberg. He took the name Van Damme from an entertainer that inspired him. That's oh, wow! I, that. I didn't even know that. I never knew no. that. That's crazy. Cool. Debbie, have, 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 <laughs> have you ever met? Dropping knowledge. Have you ever met? Have you have you two ever met? Yes, uh, at Gold's Gym in Venice. I met him uh, not that long ago, um, but he was kind of on the run, you know, like everyone was wanting a piece of him, and uh, yeah. we, he was just working out on the machine next to me. So afterwards, I shook his hand. And I tried to, I introduced myself as RVD, like I didn't, you know, <laughs> I didn't just, um, but anyway, because I, I just didn't think, hey, I'm Rob Van um, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got 10 years on me, I don't want to say, anyway, but the conversation went nowhere, anyway, I shook his hand and uh, tried to drop the name of a movie guy that, that we both know, and he was, uh, while he was walking away, he looked at me, and he thought that he worked with me, he looked at me, and he goes, yeah, he goes, hey, I remember your face, and he, he walked away, and I thought it was funny that he saw my face and thought, I look familiar. Maybe, <laughs> maybe because it's somewhat like looking in the mirror. Yeah, yeah right. seriously. Yeah. But also, what I didn't know was uh, that uh, a friend of mine was like taking pictures while I was shaking his hand, like an asshole, taking pictures of the guy <laughs> oh, in the shit. gym and kind of chasing him away too. But yeah. I've seen him since then in there, and uh, you know, didn't go out of my way to talk to him. But uh, yeah, I see him and. Prior to that, though, I, at one time we both did a signing at the Shrine Auditorium, and it wasn't such a good experience because uh, well, I shouldn't even get into that, though. Oh, <laughs> no, you don't have to. So I guess I just started it. Well, I, I'll try and talk, talk real quick. I did a signing. This was so long ago, like maybe nine, 2000, something. I did a signing at the Shrine, Shrine Auditorium. Like, mm, let's say one to three, Jean-Claude's going to be there from four to six. So after my uh, signing was done, I'm walking around because I'm a fan of the genre, comic books, action figures and um and then when he came in my manager went up to his entourage because he was walking through and he said hey you know could we get a picture of him and uh and rob uh for the website or something I said, oh he doesn't have time so all right whatever so i was like all right we've tried whatever when i'm walking around i saw uh, up on stage he was answering questions to a crowd in the auditorium and at the same time taking pictures with a line of fans one at a time. And so I said, well, all right, shit, I'll just get in line and, and get a picture. That'd be cool. And I get in line and all the fans got excited and they're like, oh, oh, oh. And, they, and they, so they pushed me right up to the front of the line so that I'm like next, like I'm standing on stage and Jean-Claude was uh, talking, answering a question and, he, and when he saw me, he like totally lost his train of thought and, uh, and he was just and he was just like I was very lucky to have a father who and he just saw me and like 
and it just I just got like this there's like it looks could kill like I got these bag and he says something to his uh handler and the guy goes uh, okay no more pictures this was the last one and then um uh, and like no no one more and he's saying uh, no 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 more and then he's trying to answer his the question he's trying to talk and they and they started going RVD RVD which was oh, you know shit. rattling him and uh, and the guy came over yeah. and and he he dispersed the line and that wasn't a very good experience but that was my own experience except for seeing him in a gym and uh, no hard feelings who knows what I don't assume maybe, it's one of the four agreements maybe maybe he uh, knows your friends with Chuck Zito <laughs> there you go there you go <laughs> I figured it out Rob I figured it out I got no, I got nothing but respect for him and uh, and you know the yeah. uh, the wiser I get the more I try to consciously you know, only uh, exude positive energy. And uh, usually when I look back at myself and I notice uh, that I said something bad about someone or I got angry or whatever, um, to me, that feels like a fuck up. Like, I feel it feels like, like uh, shit. something I got to work on and tweak so I don't yeah. do it again. There's a lot of things like I, I, I don't want to look back on that or on video of me saying some unflattering things about certain people. And it's yeah. just so, like, you know... Not like you're talking about vibrations. It's not the vibration I want going through my body anymore, Rob. You know? Right, right. There's so, uh, no good comes from it, nothing. and uh, you know it's unhealthy. You got to have spirit, mind, and body. You got to have it all in line and balance. And a lot of people don't know that, and they don't work on that. And I don't. I'm not going to say, hey, you have to change your life and do like I do. I'm just saying what I've discovered is that uh, I have to have them all in balance. You know, my the body. I got the lifestyle. You know, that keeps me in shape. Yep. I'm always working out. That's probably not going to change. Um, you know the. Uh, the the mental uh, clarity and uh, and the spiritual are definitely uh, places that uh, a lot of people spend no time working on. Some on mental, you know, if they whatever in in whatever ways they do. But a lot of people live with a lot of stress. A lot of people hate their lives. They hate where they live. They hate their who they live with. Their family. They hate their jobs. They hate their car. They they really you know are miserable and, and they've accepted that that's just their yeah, life. And it's they're like, so it's, used to it's, it. It's, it's, it's such an existence that I can't relate to. Yeah, they're so used to it, Rob, that it's just normal to them. I don't even think they realize they're that miserable, you know? And I'm so, and I'm so used to everything being so wonderful that I have to consciously always connect with life and, and express my gratitude because otherwise, you know, I can take it for, uh, you know, you just, boom. Right now I'm just, I'm looking at my view of the, uh, uh, of the L.A. Harbor, I can see uh, Long Beach, I can see downtown L.A., all the way down the coast, Huntington Beach, Costa Mesa, gorgeous day, I see the mountains, gorgeous view, I'm way up on a hill, like, that's something, you know, just, just having the quality of life to just look and just see that out my big glass doors, that's something that if you wake up and you live with that every day, you can start taking it for granted, but even if you do, even if you don't know it, you have a higher quality of life, you're, you're healthier, spiritually, and it's it's worth it. <laughs> and that's how I feel, like, just coming back out of here. You Like, last night when we were going back and forth, you're like, are you out here now? I'm like, and yeah, I am, because, and... I mean, besides just besides doing this show, I just feel so much better out here, Rob. It's just yeah, I, yeah, and especially now that I'm more strong, you know, strong minded. I've you know, uh, I'm so I've been soberish for a long time now, 
And uh, congratulations. Well, so sober-ish, yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, so it's just, and it's a great place for me to be out here. And it's 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 good to be close to people like you, Rob. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, people who haven't been in California or spent, you know, any time here, they, they really don't understand the, and I'm, I mean, everybody else, by the way, I mean, anyone listening would be like, well, I can't, I can't have a, you know, big house up on a hill looking at the, but I get that. And I'm not saying, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying I'm grateful. And, and it's, and it's, there's so much good that I can't focus on the bad. And I'm just saying that people, you got to count your blessings. You yes. got to lay out what you have, whether it's your health, your family, your kids, you know, look at your priorities, look at your values and, uh, and then get to know yourself. People don't even do that. Um, but, uh, what was I talking about? Uh, something about you, me, um, just spirituality and honey like- comes good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not small. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> oh God. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's all we were leading up to, actually. Yes. So that's perfect. So something I wanted to know is Jerry Lynn definitely had a huge part in your career. You said, like, you wouldn't be where you're at I without wouldn't. Jerry Lynn. And it's crazy to think, like, earlier in the career, like, you and Jerry had your battles. And then while you were doing your thing in, like, WCW and, like, WWE, ECW, Jerry Lynn and RVD were having battles. And it was, like, the new effing show versus the whole effing show. I just wanted to hear, like, any stories you have with Jerry and Rob has with Jerry and just, like, the relationships with him. Well, well for me, I can get I can get this part out of the way. I Like you said, I wouldn't be me. I wouldn't have done the things I, I was able to do if it weren't for my encounter with with Jerry Lynn and, and him being part of my life. And the matches that we had, he's as good as anybody I've ever been in the ring with, technically. Like, honestly, um, I, Jerry was such – I think he was too nice for the wrestling business. Honestly, Rob, I really do. Man. Yeah, very, uh, you know, very, very nice dude. But, um, you know, it's never – I mean, you can drive yourself crazy trying to figure out exactly why, you know, one guy that has everything doesn't make it and other guys that don't really seem to have very much make it and all this. I mean, it's a business and, you know, it's about marketing and it's about whoever's in charge and how they see value based on their own values. And I mean, boom, there you go. Um, Jerry was really good. All I knew about him when I met him was we had a mutual friend in uh, Scotty Riggs, Scotty Anton. Um, and uh, because of that, you know, just like with uh, with uh, when when Lightning Kid was uh, cool with Sabu, that meant that he was cool, that he was in the right clique. On. Like Sabu nice. introduced me to the wrestling world. He said, hey, these guys are assholes. Hey, these guys are the shits. Hey, this guy's really good and he's cool. Then I just took that as uh, gospel back then. And anyway, um, and I knew that, um, that about the matches uh, with Lightning Kid and, and – uh, JL, is that what it was? Yeah, well, he was Mr. JL. JL and, he was JL in uh, WCW, and he had the mask, oh, right? Yeah, it was a terrible. It was terrible. It was <laughs> a terrible right. thing to do to anybody. What they did to him. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, super nice guy. Um, super nice guy. And when I when I met him, by the way, just for uh, 
special story that I doubt anyone has fucking heard because I don't remember telling this uh, too, many, too many times. But uh, when I met Jerry, I remember getting on the airplane, and uh, this was back in the value jet days. Boy, did they suck. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they were always late, changing gates, all kinds of shit. But, but um, Jerry was sitting towards the front of the airplane, and I got on the airplane and uh, and shook his hand when I walked by. I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, hey, nice to meet you. Yeah, you know, Scotty says good things about you. He's like, yeah, yeah you too. And, uh, it sounds like it. <laughs> and uh, I went back to the back of the airplane uh, where, my, where my seat was. And um, when we were up in elevation, Jerry thought that he would come back and, uh, and hang out and talk to me for a few minutes. And when he came back there, um, I had eaten uh, Somas to uh, <laughs> planned on sleeping the flight. And uh, so he sat beside me. And because uh, I was trying to eat cereal and I was making a mess oh, of it. No. I was, yeah, <laughs> I, I know the deal. Yeah. So the very first time that I met Jerry, he was hand feeding me cereal with a spoon on an airplane. That's what you have to do when somebody because you were trying to go to sleep, but he came back, started talking to you. So you missed your window on going to sleep. So then you go through yeah. the Soma, like the Soma, the Soma coma coma. deal. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. And the Soma would kick it in. I mean, the cereal would the kick cereal. it in, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that sugar. And so anyway, uh, I wrestled Jerry first time at ECW arena and Paul and Sabu both, you know, told me that they looked at it like it was going to just be a small, you know, a pretty quick match just to enhance me. And, um, they didn't, they didn't, you know, I thought, I, I think maybe I can get something out of this. They both thought, you know, eight minutes would be plenty of that. And I ended up, you know, thinking, you know, I don't know. I, I like this this kid. Uh, he fed me cereal. And so um, <laughs> we, when, we, when we wrestled the first time, we went like 20 minutes. I had a bloody nose. My outfits ripped. My hair's pulled out of the ponytail and pulling splinters out of my ass and it was all dirty from the floor yeah. and then when I finally beat him you know then the crowd went nuts and I needed that back then that validation uh, to call myself the whole fucking show yes. I had the freedom and the abilities to, to try my best to really really try and have the best match every card and really do my part to try to make sure that all the fans got their money's worth and they were, they were happy that they bought a ticket to see me like you lose that freedom when you go other places but I had that and that was a big part of what I got out of it and so I found out you know with Jerry just just from a freak uh, matchup we just had this chemistry where we really brought the uh, the most out of each other so every time we wrestled uh, it seemed like we would outdo the last uh, match you know like move move for move like yeah. I would it's last time you know I went for a leg sweep and he jumped and went for a kick and I ducked it and, and kicked him he would it's like he would remember that and this time he would duck you know he would like mine we take it further and uh boom boom there you go yeah yeah you guys had some amazing right. battles throughout ecw and other battles you had in ecw were like bam bam bigelow just like this the faster guy versus the bigger guy and just the crazy things that you guys would do i i always remember in like the ecw uh intro video seeing you do like yeah. a flip dive from the top rope into the crowd was that on to bam bam yeah, sure was. Yeah, there was only like three guys that I would dive from the top rope over the guardrail to and trust, you know, to be a good uh, base. And that was Bam Bam Bigelow for sure. 
um, Balls Mahoney and uh, Bubba Ray Dudley. Those were the only guys that I would uh, trust to catch me. And the other guys, like I would do like a helo to the floor inside the guardrail, and certain guys, like I would know for sure that they're not going to catch me. Like Lance Storm, every single time, he would like, he's exactly going to catch me, and then his arms would just kind of go limp, and they would just, if anything, maybe I'd bump his shoulder. Yeah. And me and Fonzie knew that. We talked about it. We were in New Orleans one time, and uh, in, uh, in, uh, Lance was outside, and I looked at Fonzie, we looked at each other and said, okay, watch this, here we go. And I ran, and I jumped, and I cleared the top rope, and I tucked, and went down, barely touched him, slam on the hard floor. But I knew that was going to happen. I knew that would be, that was my risk. And so I was like, uh, fuck you, you ain't going to hurt me. I can yeah. take this every day. And I was always out to prove how tough I was. But uh, yeah, that was on Bam Bam. Great, you know, great experience for me. Uh, I loved wrestling with him. Uh, he was so cool. And, uh, and I knew that we were friends, but at the same time, I also knew to expect a stiff receipt anytime, you know, that, uh, that I caught him with something. I knew it was going to come right back, wham, and then everything was cool again. That's how, that's how he went, and I, and I loved it. Yeah. You're talking about Bam Bam still, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Bam. Yeah, like sometimes. Yeah, like even in that match, you know, like if it was something where where I kick him and I know like the bottom of my boot like really caught him hard in the mouth, bam, I'd be like, oh shit! And then here comes a big clothesline, boom, kicks me out of my boots. <laughs> and uh, it was always like that, you know, not the personal. It's just uh, that's what we call a receipt. And um, I often, uh, I often uh, work that way myself. Rob, yeah. we asked for some fan questions for you, actually, and at Jeff Burbage wanted us to ask okay, great. you. Why do the fans? Oh, oh I misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. I love that. Well, Jeff Burbage wanted to know, actually, us to ask you about taking unnecessary risks in the ring. And, you know, you're telling us you went for that dive, even though you knew you weren't going to be caught by Lance. What do you think about the idea of this, uh, quote unquote, unnecessary risks? Well, okay, so any any risk, you know, has its uh, its upside and its downside, and anybody that takes any risk weighs that out. When you cross the street, I mean, yeah, you know, maybe you could get run over, or uh, who knows, you know, what could happen. Maybe lightning could strike you, whatever, but it's probably not going to happen, and, you know, you really want to get to the other side of the street, so you do it. When you're an entertainer, you're looking to entertain, you know what I mean? I really want to pop the crowd. I want to do, I want to show off. That is the one thing that I've always loved about my career is I just want to show off. I always hated the storylines. You know, I always hated, like, uh, when I had to do the promos, uh, and especially because I got to push their agenda and try to, you know, tell you, tell you that this championship match is more important than anything in the world to me. Come on. I mean, what, <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. But anyway, but I like getting in the ring and doing moves and, uh, and showing off, and that feels real to me that connection with the crowd even when the office is trying to do stupid things with me or turn me uh heel and try to make it so the fans don't like me that connection that real connection uh, the fans you know say no we dig what he's doing um that's what i dig about it and so you know most moves like that are a progression also so they're not as of a, of a risk as uh, as it might seem to somebody watching. I mean, yeah, there's no wires, and yeah, this is live action, and 
and we're going for it for real and all that, but we are awesome. I mean, RVD is a superhero, and uh, that's the way I see it. I, I first uh, did, like I'm telling you, with Lance. I would run, and I would jump over the rope, and, and then I would, I would know that I was going to eat shit, that my back was going to hit the floor. But also, what's been most important to me, what I've really enjoyed out of my career, is showing how tough I am. I have some pretty fancy moves you know my arsenal um you know gets the uh it's flashy and fans like to see the rolling thunder and the jumping spin kicks but my real strength is my endurance my durability and that's why i've wrestled you know over 25 years and, and i've been almost injury free you know for the most part i had one surgery um but anyway so so for me it's totally worth sometimes me taking this hard bump just to show that i'm not an egg that, that's going to crack and, right. uh, and that i'll keep doing this every night and uh you know if you're going to sidestep me or whatever uh or whatever reason it is that you're not catching me if you're trying to teach me a lesson fuck you <laughs> anyway um but when it comes to that move so i, I jump and i clear the rope and i do and then i do like uh what we call a hero uh next time in ecw i set a chair up in the ring and i ran and i jumped and i cleared the chair and the top rope next time i'm on tv there i put two chairs and i run and i jumped and i cleared two chairs and the rope and then did the hero to the floor so uh uh, eventually the progression leads to where you know what I could jump off the top rope and I could clear that guardrail boom I back can make it out to the fifth row so it's not like um, I just start right out and uh, and say you know what there's a 50% chance I could survive this I'm gonna try it never uh, and to add to that Although I can still physically do uh, everything that I've been able to do my whole career, like when I was uh, 25 instead of 45, um, there is certain moves that, that I cut out a long time ago because they just weren't worth the risk. Um, I hardly ever do a, um, a springboard where I jump right up and then bounce off the top rope. Um, plenty of people do it. Back when I used to do it, uh, if I was one of the only ones to do it, then it was more worth it because uh, it was it was more impressive. I would do the Van Terminator by doing a springboard right off the top rope. Um, but the ECW ropes were tighter, too, and they were cable. That's right. Now WWE ropes are actual rope, and the ring's bigger, so the ropes aren't as tight. And uh, just a chance that I might slip uh, trying to do a, uh, a springboard. Maybe my knee pads are too tight, and it doesn't allow my, flat, my, my heel to get whatever. For me, you know what? It's just not quite worth the risk. So what I'll do is I'll climb it and then do it. Boom. I take uh, moves like that, and that's because uh, one fuck up, and, and I want to hang myself. Yeah. That's the perfection yeah. in me. Back in the ECW days, learning to cut my teeth in front of a crowd that would wait for you to slip to go, you fucked up, you fucked up. Yes, that put a lot of pressure on me, so uh, it's not worth fucking up uh, if I don't need it. It's not. I, you know, you know especially if I can, if it's, especially if it's, you know, still very impressive anyway. You know what I mean? Sure. It's about showing off, um, but, you know, RVD can handle a lot more than your average crash dummy. A lot of people, a lot of people don't go into it thinking like that, though, Rob. And, and, and they'll go out there. And just like me, I used to come into the ring, you know, flip myself into the ring like Muda would do. 
you know, for mm-hmm. my entrance. And one time in Hakata Star Lanes in, in Japan, uh, I, I did that and I landed on my ass and, you know, on the canvas and everybody laughed at me. 5,000 people laughing at me all at once. Sure. I never did that again. <laughs> you know, even though yeah. I could, I didn't try it again. You me know? too. I've done the same, that exact same move. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Were you a baby face or a heel when you did that and you fell on your ass? I was a baby face. It didn't matter. Uh, it was Japan. Like, oh, I mean, either way. I was going to say, did you like sell it like, oh, damn it. Like, oh, and like get I up and kick the rope and everyone like, like, oh, I meant to do that kind of thing. No. So then everyone's like, oh, like no. we're laughing at you, but we're no, supposed to No, I just to be. looked like a jackass. <laughs> the, move, the, the move that I used to do um, that, that people would, you know, I would really, they'd really drop their jaw. This was before I came up with the Van Terminator. But like, if you threw me into the ropes, into the middle, I would jump up um, and stand on the top rope in the middle, and then hit, hit a cross body back off of that. And, um, and and you know that takes a lot. It takes a good jump and timing and balance and all that shit. And um, I slipped on it like once. Uh, maybe twice when I was in WCW back in 92, 93. And then I was like, all right, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing that one anymore. Because when I pulled it off, it was like, like I wrestled uh, Raven when he was uh, uh, Scotty Flamingo and Robbie V on TV. And uh, at the end, I hit my split-legged moonsaw and then overshot him because, you know, I set him in too close because I was still, you know, perfecting all that shit. I'd only been working a couple of years at that point. And anyway, Larry Zabisco uh, was on the counter afterwards. He was like, he goes, that move, that move that you did where you jumped up like a cat and sprung back off the top rope, well, that, that was more impressive than your finish. And I was like, I know. <laughs> but then, yeah, I slipped on it a couple of times, and I was like, oh, fuck it. I did that the other day when I got in the ring, by the way, and everyone, like everyone in the school, like no one had even fucking seen that. So I'm always surprised that, unlike other people, um, a lot of my moves aren't stolen yet. And I don't know if it's out of respect or if it's actually a physical They just can't challenge. do it. Or, or a little both. Yeah. Speaking of people stealing your moves, uh, a lot of people on Monday Night Raw have been doing the Frog Splash. we got Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, Sasha Banks. How do you feel about them doing the Frog Splash? Even like JBL tried to name it the Bullfrog Splash when Kevin Owens does it, and then he's like, no, it's a six-star Frog Splash. So like, do you think any of them are to your caliber? Kevin? Yeah, Kevin. Do you think any of them are to your caliber of, of your Frog Splash? <laughs> Um, I think uh, that, you know, I'm a little flattered to think that these guys probably were inspired watching me uh, do the frog splash, watching Eddie Guerrero do the frog splash, and uh, certainly out of all my moves uh, that I've created, you know, uh, you know, that are original, the Sonic Moonsault, the Rolling Thunder, the Van Daminator, Van Terminator, um, those those moves, you know, like I created, they were original, and a lot of them still no one else does. But, you know, the top rope splash is something that everyone's done, you know, for years. I used to, as a fan, I watched uh, the Tonga Kid do it. Um, of course, Jimmy Snooker did it. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, I, I, I always try to find a way to make it my own. And it is easy for me to spin once I'm in midair and go either way. And eventually... 
because I got jumps, uh, I was able and still am able to hit my opponent anywhere in the ring anywhere. from any corner and then adjust. And, uh, and, and, and so that may or may not make it um, a little unique to me. Um, I don't know. Maybe the other guys uh, can do that too. I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, as far as like uh, someone doing a move and wanting me to be offended that they're doing my move, definitely you'd have to take something a little more personal than a move that, you know, hundreds of people have done. I'm sure uh, Lightning Kid did a top rope splash. I did. I actually did a frog splash on Hakushi in, in uh, um, SummerSlam 95, and it was the last time I did one of those because it fucking sucked, Rob. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's rushing to the network right now to check it out. What sucked about it so bad? I used to just use take the, the uh, of you? As, as my finish. And um, Ron Slinker, the same guy that gave me the name, uh, Rob Bondum, uh he also got me my tryout. It was called a tryout, but I think I kind of already, was, I kind of pretty much already had the job um, with WCW in uh, December of 92. That was when Bill Watts was there. And um, he told me uh, going in, mm, like I did the Select Moonsault, but he told me like, uh, while I was there in WCW, he was watching me on TV, and uh, and he was saying, you know, you need to come with a different finishing move. He said, uh, that still-legged moonsault, is, it's pretty, but it doesn't have enough impact. It's kind of like a soft move, and, you know, you're wrestling guys that are twice your size. You need to come with something with a lot of impact. And so I, came, so I guess I decided, you know what, I'm going to get myself up as high as I possibly can go and come down with all the gravity and as much force in all my ways as I possibly can. Boom. That's that's the only way I can think of to make the most impact uh, that I can. And and what you, what you did that a lot, or what you still do that, so many people, when they do that move, they don't do, is you sell it yourself. Yes. You know, the way you sell it too, it just, it, it adds so much to, to the effectiveness of, of the move. And, People uh, always ask me, like, how much does that really hurt? Like, that's a question that they always want to know. And, you know, that's a touch of Sabu. Sabu used to tell me when I was training that our bodies are our bullets. And so that's what, you know, that's all we have to, you know, to to hit our opponent with is ourselves. And he would, and you know, he would like uh, always sacrifice his body uh, in, in in the car crash. And, and I got that from him. But, um, but the answer, of course, is the answer, of course, is that it's inconsistent. You know, yeah. everything feels inconsistent. Which depends on how you were feeling prior to the match. It depends on uh, a lot of things. By the way, when I would do the, uh, it depends on how winded you are, blah blah blah. But with Big Show. And also, I think Mark Henry, um, when I would hit the frog splash, they, they're they lying on their back, but their stomach was so high yeah. up that when I hit, like, my uh, elbows, hands, feet, knees, they wouldn't even hit the ground. They would just be like, Aah! So they would take the whole, they would take the brunt of the impact, huh? On, as would on those I, two guys. as would I, yeah. Oh, so, knock the wind out gotcha. of Okay. Because <laughs> Bigfoot, when he's lying on his back, he's still four feet tall. There he was. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, you talked about Sabu a little bit there, and and how he put himself through quite a bit. And we've been talking about his GoFundMe page and what he's dealing with right now, needing a hip surgery. His left hip replaced. Yes, and you've been very vocal about that. And I guess we we're gonna talk about where our fans can help him on his GoFundMe page. And will you just give us an update on how he's doing? Yeah, yeah, you guys get that info up so fans can uh, check out the, the GoFundMe. Um, 
So, yeah, Sabu needs uh, hip surgery, and um, he really doesn't want it, of course, you know, who would? And he really hates the idea of uh, asking anybody for money. He hates the GoFundMe thing, but he's uh, very fortunate that they have his girlfriend, Jeannie, helping him out um, and uh, helping put all, all this together to make it possible. Uh, he was he was here at my house last week. Uh, Sean, he's walking like the Sheik I, used to. yeah. And he's still working, oh and he's God. still wrestling. He's still going out and and, and taking bookings and wrestling, and it's fucking yeah. heartbreaking, yeah. bro. Yeah, yeah. He's telling them up front, you know, I can barely even walk, and he's, and, you know, I think he might have to do like the Sheik used to do, just start stabbing people in the forehead. And, but, and you know um, how he is, man. Like, I mean, he's like you when it comes to, he wants to go out there and still do all of his shit for the people because right. they paid money to see him work. And, yep. and it... it, it Man, I, I, it's hard for me. See, here's the thing: like a lot of people just don't understand like uh, what this guy is given to wrestling compared to what he's received, you know. And to me, yeah. I think he's given more and received less than probably anybody I've ever seen in wrestling. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He, a lot of times, man, he's been on the uh, the bad end of a deal, you know, and he's still. Because he loves wrestling so much, he's still out there uh, a lot of times working for shady promoters that yeah. end up stiffing him, oh. and he ends up breaking his body down and then like still like you know getting uh, shit on and you know if he's getting his pay is at least compromised anyway. Um, he uh, he's had uh, you know he's had some good times and some bad times, but right now he's so beat up. He needs to besides his hip, he needs his uh, shoulder. And his back fixed, and um, he's still taking bookings to try to uh, raise the money, you know, to get a, to get everything fixed. And uh, and he's talking like with different, you know, doctors, like and trying to figure out all the possible options, you know, from doing it in Canada to Mexico to whatever. Because um, anyway, uh, he's also always been extremely over generous, and that's that's exactly. uh, why he can't, you know, just. Uh, just write a check to the to the hospital because uh, ever since my first road trips with him, he's always insisted on uh, taking taking the bill, you know, paying everyone's dinner at the That's table. Right. Uh, he always has wants all the wrestlers to stay in his hotel room, or when he had the one at Bago, you know, drive everybody around. Uh, he always wants that, uh, everyone in the, to be together and be like a family, and he wants to take care. And, I, and he got that from the Sheik because the Sheik was like that. He got a lot of what he got from the Sheik. I got a lot of uh, what I have, you know, from him uh, and from the Sheik. And uh, and I recognize a lot of that. But that's one thing with Sabu. Like, I would see him, you know, uh, giving money to some beggar when I know Sabu's only got like 20 bucks in his pocket. You know, that's he's right. giving the guy 10 bucks. I'm like, uh, dude, why, you know, why'd you give that guy money? He goes, well, he doesn't have any. You know, he's hungry. <laughs> like, yeah. I know, but uh, he's going to be asking a bunch of other people, too. I mean, I was just 18 at the time, you know, asking him. Like, he's going to be asking other people, too. You're not going to make any more money till tomorrow night. You just got paid 20 bucks. And I go, well, I know, but uh, we're all chipping for gas, and that'll be five, and I'll have, uh, I'll have five. I can uh, get a sandwich on the way. And he was just, like, he was just fine with that. And he used to always tell me, especially when it would come to actual, like, money, you know, like either loaning out money or spotting people. Holy crap, the, the thousands of dollars he's done that with. Um, he would always say, um, well, you know, hopefully it'll come back to me. 
That's, I heard him say that so many times over the years. Well, hopefully, you know, hopefully it'll come back to me someday, you know, if I'm, if I'm in need. So at one time, um, he, one time uh, he, he ended up, uh, let me see how this story goes. We all showed up into town, um, and we were at the car place. Uh, I took off in a car that I rented, and Sabu went with me, and uh, Sandman and Tess were in a car, and for some reason, they, I think they didn't have a license or something, and so Shelly Martinez put the car on her credit card, I think, oh, and yeah. Sabu, said, Sabu said, if you do this, then you know if anything happens to the car, I'll pay for it. We're heading down the road, and Sandman And Sabu's freaking out, and I'm like, dude, he's raving you because you, the car that they're driving is your responsibility. You told Shell you paid for it. He's raving you. He goes, oh, okay, thank God. They call back a few minutes later. Oh, my God, dude. We hit a fucking deer. It's fucking, oh, my God, oh, dude. We're shit. a fuck. The car is fucked. Where are you at? And I, I'm trying to tell Sabu, dude, he's raving. There's no way. And uh, they were ahead of us, so pretty soon we pulled up, and there's blood everywhere, and the car was fucked. <laughs> and Sabu had to pay like thirty thousand yes. dollars out of his oh pocket gosh. or something for the car, and explain that to his wife that uh, that he gave Shelly Martinez thirty thousand oh, dollars. Shit. And Hatomi, his I wife. I might have the amount wrong. He what, he said thirty at the time, but I think. Recently, I think he's lowered it to 20 when he tells the story. <laughs> Either way, man, like that, that's him and that's what he did. And I, I could, I, just a quick story of like back in 02 when I first came out here to LA. Um, he was out here, him, Jerry Lynn, and several other independent wrestlers. And the promoter stiffed everybody and they had a one way ticket out here. Uh, and Sabu took money out of his own pocket and like all of his money, all the money he had to get everybody home. And so, and I was supposed to meet him for dinner, and he wouldn't meet. He wouldn't have, wouldn't meet with me. And later on, he told me that he was embarrassed because he didn't have money to buy buy me dinner. And wow, that was yeah. a real man to know that I I didn't get a chance to see him over that. You know, I mean, it yeah, sucked, yeah. but like it was just like man. Was that the show that was supposed to have Super Dragon versus American Dragon? versus Ultimo Dragon and then like the guy never booked the venue and there were like wrestlers just sitting outside waiting to wrestle at a venue that Probably. never been booked. Yeah. Like and like I think Masawa is like out there just chopping people. Like fans are like, I'll buy your shirt if you chop like I'll pay for you to chop me and he's like, Cool, I need to make money. And he's mm -hmm. just chopping fans and selling shirt and like literally there's like a locker room of wrestlers and fans just waiting outside this venue that was supposed to have this amazing show that never happened. You remember that tour we did in, in Ireland and all over Europe with was it for AWR the uh, the Irish company? Remember that? Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, remember uh, and and so we're in we're in uh, Belfast and it's a tag match and and it's and it's Rob and I versus Sabu and I, I forget who the hell else was. It doesn't matter. Anyways, I I'm missing my ACL and my right knee, so and I have to tape my right knee up. Uh, and so I taped it up too tight, and so I, I, I got drop foot. Uh -oh. Anyways, I'm going to dive uh, to the floor, and my, my right leg doesn't work. So I burble over the top rope. My head bounced. Some dipshit put metal steps in the, on the middle of the, of the apron, like in the instead middle of the ring, the instead, ring of, instead of in this, toward the corners. And so I hit these steps, and my head bounced oh, up shit. every rung of the steps. And I ended up, Holy shit. yeah, I ended up with this huge get. You could even still see it when you look in the back of my head. 
Uh, and I never went to the hospital and got it stitched up. And uh, it was brutal looking. I mean, it was it was brutal looking. The actual dive itself. It was if I if I wouldn't have been uh, if I if I wasn't so busy like thinking about my head being hurt, my feelings would have been really hurt <laughs> and, and, and embarrassed. Did, but, uh, did Sabu superglue you? No, oh, he didn't. And it, you know, it might have helped if he would have because I ended up with staph infection by the time I got home from that. Oh. Remember we were in. Remember we we were standing outside that McDonald's drive-through, with, standing in our wrestling gear. I mean, it was a, oh yeah, a, fuck yeah. It, um, it, yep. I, that, I, you're talking about. Uh, no, that was. I think that was. If I'm not mistaken, I thought that was for the uh, Axel, the uh, Portuguese uh, promoter. No, that oh. was the no. Oh. It, actually, you know what it was? It was that. It was that same promoter that we worked for in Korea when we had that great match. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. <laughs> no, I, I keep saying that to Rob all the time. Because one time, uh, Rob was sure he and I had this match in Korea. Yeah, that was really good, and I would have been yeah. great, except for I've never been to Korea. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know what? I'm going to end up going back and finding out I was in Korea once, and just didn't Probably. fucking realize it. <laughs> When you Probably. do, well, I will be forgiven. I'm gonna. I will apologize to you with a hat in hand <laughs> if I ever find that out, Rob. All will be forgiven. Well, I think be... Scotty Too Hotty actually one time came up and 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 and, and talked about that same match. Though <laughs> I think it might have been a, possibly. I think he might have said that was him. Maybe two two against one. Who am I to argue? <laughs> <laughs> it was a hell of a match. I know that much. <laughs> Well, going back to Sabu for a second and his generosity, I've been dying all week to ask you, Sean and Rob, your opinion on this. Do you think that's a situation where someone like a Vince McMahon or a Paul Heyman should open up his wallet, make a big donation? Obviously, they can't do that for everybody, but what do you think about that? Um, for my opinion is like if they feel compelled to do so, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think. I don't know. I mean, that's tough. It's a, it's tough. It depends on the point of. I guess the point of view you're coming at mm-hmm. it with. I mean, I don't expect anybody to do shit for me personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have stuff I need surgery like right now. Yeah. And, you know, I don't expect anybody. It, it would be nice, though. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be a really nice thing to do, Vince. <laughs> I, I think I would see Paul Heyman doing that before Vince because, I mean, like Zabu really helped put ECW on the map yeah, and exactly. his style of wrestling and like making ECW what it was, you know, so I would think Paul Heyman should be the one before, like, granted, Zabu wrestled for Vince and did stuff for Vince, too, and jumping off the R at Raw and whatnot, but I would think Paul Heyman should step up and be like, yeah, man, for all your years and all the things you've done, like, here, I got you. Yeah, what do you think about that, Rob? Well, um, I kind of feel like Sean might have a similar view as me, like, like, who am I to say that somebody else should feel a certain way, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I don't... Um, I don't have those feelings about anybody. I can't tell that, that I can't say that somebody should uh, want to do this or or feel like doing this. Uh, and if they did, if they wanted to uh, help out, then it would be, I think, above and beyond the call of duty. I think it would be like extremely generous. Um, and you know, on top of that, um, 
we're independent contractors. So like whenever the conversation over the years has come up about, oh, wrestlers don't have insurance, they sh- it should be mandatory that wrestlers get covered with insurance. Mm-hmm. I've always felt like, you know, we're independent contractors. We make our own deals. And whenever wrestlers have asked me to like join the bandwagon, I can't because I understand business. Yeah. And I ask them and I ask them, would you rather, if you're signing a deal, would you rather um, have uh, insurance included or would you rather they give you more money and then you get your own insurance to take care of yourself? They always say, well, I'd rather you know, take care of myself and get more money. I mean, they, uh, they, I mean I'm mean, i sure hard people wouldn't do that. It wouldn't say that if I asked 100 people. <laughs> I've asked several wrestlers. And anyway, um, I don't think that the – I think that Paul and that uh, Vince, you know, uh, fulfill their obligations – um, ECW went bankrupt. Everyone knows that. But people are still like, dude, doesn't Paul still owe you all that money? No, he doesn't. That's not the way that bankruptcy works. He's been cleared <laughs> of all debt. Um, you know, that money that I was owed is not still coming. You know what I mean? Right. And and I understand that. That's, that's you know, it's all in the wording. So I think if Vince or if, uh, if Paul, you know, uh, even contributed or whatever, that would be extremely generous. And um, and then and then at that point, to what extent that would be up to them as well. Do you think that with the way things are now, with like the medical clearance and like back back when you were wrestling, you said like if if we were hurt, we still wrestled because we needed to get paid. Now they pull you out of action because they don't want that to happen. You think that they should make a rule that like no, you don't have the option to choose more money or insurance. Everyone's paying for insurance, kind of thing. I well, hear other thing. occupations it's require like that. When people are talking about wrestling when, with this conversation, they also usually, um, it's like they're overlooking the fact that there's like one company that, you know, that, that, has, that owns wrestling. There's a couple of small ones, but, but I always ask this. Okay, so are you saying, like, if, it's, if, if there's a mandatory rule that, um, okay, boom, you have to cover your own or you have to take ours, who would have to apply? Everyone that applies for a wrestling promoter license, all the way down to the the uh, Troutman, North Carolina State Fair that runs once a year? Um, or are you specifically only talking about Vince? And, and again, that's, that's, that's relevant because besides that, what else is there? I mean, there's a couple of small, uh, you know, smaller groups that have some limited exposure compared to WWE, um, but basically it's one company. So it's like if you want to set any mandates on, on just him and his corporation, that's a lot more uh, localizing these, of the problem, isn't it? And who would be setting these mandates anyways? I mean, there, we, we, have, we have no players association and um, it's, it, or anything like that that would say... There's no... There's no pro wrestling state athletic uh, right. sanctioned department, <laughs> you know. But like you said, everyone looks for WWE to be like the end all be all, so they all copy that. So maybe if Vince did do that, maybe like TNA and Ring of Honor and Lucha Underground would be like, okay, maybe we should follow that suit. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing, I, and, I, and, I, and, and the suit would be what to say that that uh, we're going to give you less money and we're going to get group insurance for you. 
something like that, or just like. So well, what if? So what if I don't like the insurance? What if I'm like, uh, hey, wait a minute, it uh, it only it doesn't cover you know my prescriptions, or I had a better dental plan, I can get a better dental plan, you know, for less money on my own, or or hey, right. you know, it doesn't even cover optical for my kids, and my my kid needs uh, new glasses because he's a peeping tom and he hurt his <laughs> eyes on the binoculars looking in the neighbor's window. When I worked for Vince McMahon, I had no trouble. No, no problem, easy for me to say, uh, setting up my own uh, 401k and my own medical. You know, when you're working for Vince, you, you, you know, usually making enough money to do those things. So, I, I mean, I, I myself feel like I got my shit pretty well together. That's why I don't work very much, because I don't have to. A lot of guys that we know have to work like twice a week still, and that's all they know how to do is wrestle, and that is more like the the guy they made the movie about, you know, but um, that's definitely not everybody, and that's just, you know, it's a business. I like to do a lot of other business, and I like to to not wrestle, and that's why, and any promoters should know if they're thinking, um, oh, cool, I already taking bookings, man. I'm going to find out, I hope he says how to get a hold of them. Uh, most likely it's not going to work out. You know what I mean, I'm not looking, I don't look for work. I haven't looked for work like the longest time. I called Hunter uh, when I made my return to uh, WWE in 2013. TNA uh, was dragging their feet on producing this contract that we talked about. And, uh, and I went to Hall of Fame and I saw everybody. And so I ended up, you know, calling Hunter and just and saying, hey, you know, um, you know, what's going on there? And, Besides that call, I, I don't think I've made a call to look for work in like several years. I can't I can't remember the last time. And I just I get offers all the time, but but I'm very selective about it. And so you know when people are emailing me talking about um, yeah I uh, I run Johnny's uh, car lot wrestling in Mississippi. And uh, we've had uh, Bad Boy, Bill Black, and uh, we've had such big stars as, uh, um, you know, Texas, Timmy. I'd love to have you come in. I mean, I don't respond uh, to those guys, but I'm also not looking uh, to to work because I don't want to work. And so I've had like five matches this year, and uh, that's plenty. I got two more on the books, and I have uh, very high standards. That's why you don't see me out there, uh, because not very many pro- Promoters uh, can uh, do business at that level, and that's absolutely what works out uh, great for me. And, uh, yeah, uh, part of that is uh, knowing how to structure and and having people help you to take care of uh, business and and your assets and money that comes in. By the way, when you get your own insurance, uh, you don't necessarily probably tell them that you're a pro wrestler, do you? You're an entertainer. (laughs) Definitely not. Well, we want to kind of wrap up with you a little bit, Rob, and just ask you some final questions. And you're talking about how you spend your time. And uh, I know that you spend some of your time with uh, Miss Katie Lords, who is a gorgeous young lady. She's a fitness model and a wrestler as well. Katie Forbes. Katie Forbes. I'll make her into a porn star. Oh. Did you, did you just say Lords? <laughs> oh, did I? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, Katie. A big fan, I swear. Well, I'm wondering, Rob, do you go and check her out when she's wrestling? Did you go see her at WOW or... What do you what do you yeah, think? Yeah, WOW has a big show on September 29th. Um, 
and um, it's a TV taping in downtown L.A. at the Belasco Theater. So they just started back up after being absent for, seems like, six years or something. Yeah. And this is going to be their, their big show that they're building towards. And they've had a couple of uh, what the uh, um, Dave McLean says is um, pop-up shows, he calls them. Is Dave McLean and- the one that's running well? If I got the name right, it's David. The one yeah, that, the one that, that invented that and invented Glow. He invented Glow, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah Genie Bus is behind it as well. Oh, nice. So anyway, yeah, they do a few like pop-up shows where the ring is set up, and I have gone there to support uh, and, and saw her wrestle, and I am going on the 29th too. But uh, yeah, Dave McLean invented Glow, and I guess he had a falling out or something with the partner, I guess, yeah. and I, I don't know what happened there. But then he started Wow, and well, he, they both started on forever, and they're both coming back at the exact same time, and it's weird because uh, you know there are no coincidences, but Glow. Glow sold um, 12 or 13 episodes of a scripted series, like a sitcom, to Netflix. So what they're doing is is totally different. And with what WoW is doing is, I guess, more like Glow used to be, like with a combination of vignettes and wrestling and uh, the rest remains to be seen. I actually just read for a part in that new Netflix Glow series that's coming out. Yeah, and yeah. Awesome Kong has a part. Chavo Guerrero Jr. is the wrestling coordinator over there. So hey, I won't be surprised. Well, maybe awesome. I'll maybe I'll see you over at uh, at the Wow Show. This it's this weekend, right? Yeah, that's yeah, this weekend. September twenty ninth, six to ten at the Belasco Theater in ten fifty Hill Street, Los Angeles, California. All right. Rob. Well, go check out Katie Forbes, and Rob will be there too. Rob, yeah, I, and, uh, I, you can follow me on all the social media at the real RVD. And by the way, um, what else was I going to say? I, I just lost my train of thought. Dude, I was holding together the whole conversation. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, you're going to pump up sure your PCW. You, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'll, make, I'll make sure you, um, you know, plug Sabu's GoFundMe page if you could. One hundred percent. Yeah, we're definitely. We'll that's that's like half the half the reason that. Uh, um, I asked you to come on, Rob. The other half is just because I knew you were going to be a great guest. And I'm a huge fan of yours as a human being and wrestler. So, uh, Rob, I appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, Isn't that crazy? Like, we both live in L.A. and, like, we never see each other? Well, look, I mean, it's it's like I said to you, uh, or like I said, like I texted you like okay you're in redondo i'm like we're in north hollywood right now so i'm not it's not gonna break it's not gonna offend me if you want to skype in because so, <laughs> that's a, long, it's a long ass hours drive. Of traffic to come yeah, here it's a long ass drive but so maybe i'll see not you this weekend redondo, but let's not tell everybody my address oh shit <laughs> i meant i meant nah, uh, we'll splash it up on the screen i meant riverside <laughs> anyways hey rob thank you so much for your time and patience man i appreciate you coming on but i did Right on, dude. Uh, enjoyed the chat. Good luck with the show. Oh, thanks. And uh, let me know when uh, when I can uh, repost the uh, the link to my millions and millions of followers. Yes. Yeah, we'll send it out to you. The show and the show will be up uh, actually in a few hours. Yeah. Right? yeah. Okay. So, cool. Thanks, Rob. Right Appreciate it, man. Thanks, man. Bye bye. All right, and we will be right back with a little bit more Xbox One Two Three Sixty on AfterBuzz TV.
What's up, party people? Roxy Stryer here from The Tomorrow Show with Kevin Undergaro. We're your twice-weekly broadcast of one man's midlife crisis and the mad millennials in Star Trek uniforms that follow him. And I'm one of those millennials, Lauren Legrasso here. We've had some amazing guests like Russell Simmons, Ileana Douglas, and Craig Gass. Coolio, right? Christian Blatt in the house to tell you to go to thetomorrowshow.com to check us out. We're live every Monday and Thursday from 10 to midnight Eastern. That's thetomorrowshow.com. Be there, be square, whatever that means. Welcome back to Xbox One Two Three Sixty. We just had a little chat with RVD, and man, I got to tell you, I think the story um, that we heard was the best that we have had thus far on this show about the signing with Rob Van Dam with oh, Jean Claude Van Dam. Oh, yeah, Jean Claude yeah. Van Dam. Yeah, I think that that's my favorite Xbox One Two Three Sixty story thus far. I thought you were going to talk about the somas and the cereal. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to bring that up again. I was like. <laughs> that, was, that was juicy too. It was funny. Gotta I mean, have my I, now it's funny because nobody died. But <laughs> <laughs> well, right, and just to get his and your perspective on Sabu, yeah. and to hear again what he's given to the fans and what he's going through, man, I, I wanted to get on my phone right now and hit that GoFundMe. I page. already did. Yeah, when they first started it, I already did mine. Well, I got to tell all the fans, once again, they can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash xploc12360, where we've posted the link. You can go ahead and uh, help Sabu out. Also, make sure you are posting your questions there for our next week's guest. That's also where you can check and find out who our next week's guest will be. And post your questions for Sean as well on Facebook or on Twitter and Instagram using hashtag xploc12360. We will be checking those out and reading them on air next week. In the meantime, you guys can always hit me up about anything else, Xbox 12360 related or not. You know I love the pro wrestling juicy scoop, whatever stories you want to hear the deets on. Hit me up at Christy Reports on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. And uh, Jimbo Slice, where can they find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Jimbo in the booth. Buy my documentary, The Young Bucks Too Sweet Journey at highspots.com. And yeah, Sean, where, they can, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at the real XPOC. My Instagram that I'm still getting used to is the real X. No, pardon me, just at real XPOC. Because somebody else stole the real XPOC on Twitter. Yeah, I have a hard time Assholes. finding you to, to tag you in our Instagram, which is XPOC12360. Makes me so, so mad. Anyway, I appreciate everybody tuning in, and we will see you next week right here on XPOC12360. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Phil Spitek, Kevin Undergaro, producer Jimbo Frank, me, Christy Olson, the managing editor of AfterBuzz TV's Pro Wrestling News Division, and the entire X-Pac 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Feel free to like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube, follow XPOC on Twitter at TheRealXPOC, and email us at xpoc12360show at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the AfterBuzz TV Network. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal. 